0: Father, I thank you so much for Wes. I thank you for the friend that he is. I thank you for the gifts and abilities you've given him. Lord, just uh, empower him with your spirit this morning so that the words written in Scripture, your words, uh, will come alive to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Try that. Is that better? Nice. Did it first better in the first service? Okay. So the first thing I noticed here when I came here is this. Uh, I don't know how much you know about Darren, but Darren, one of the things he said before is that he ha- he drinks a lot of water, or drinks a lot of other things like Dr. Pepper and that sort of thing. And so it doesn't surprise me that this is the size of water that we have underneath on here. Not just a little cup, but this, this great size. So this is a tribute to Darren. I'm going to have a sip. Uh, I didn't drink enough in the first service because it was still very full after the first one, but... Uh, But yeah, so uh, yeah, as you said, as you heard, my name is Wes. I am a uh, pastor in Langley. I've got a wife and four kids. They are currently in Chilliwack with their in-laws right now and um, with my in-laws. But I the biggest thing that you need to know is that I grew up in Duncan. So if that gives you an idea, you didn't, you didn't just uh, have this guy up on stage who's from Langley who says that he knows something bigger and better than what you know, because I know what it's like to be living on the island. I know to grow up in Duncan, and um, I love the island. My heart is still for the island. I would love for God to just call me back. I think that would be great. I could just come back to the island and be next to the ocean. Um, and was that, Yeah. <laughs> And there it is. Uh, so I'm very happy in my position right now in Langley. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah, I really enjoy what I do. I'm a pastor of Connection Community. Um, my two favorite things, I was a youth pastor for 15 years. And, uh, and the two things I love best was connecting new people in and also uh, gathering into community, into small groups. And so that's what my role is now, and I really, really do enjoy it. And I do know a lot of people here. Um, so... Awesome. And so one of the things I just want to say about Darren, because I have the, uh, uh, the opportunity and the privilege of speaking here, is uh, one thing I've really appreciated about him is that he's been a guide for me over the years, and I've always um, trusted in him. And uh, the one thing that I, I know about Darren is that he's humble. Uh, he's, I appreciate his humility. He always doesn't come across as someone who is, uh, is, you know, knows better than other people, and that is a really cool thing, and you've got a great pastor for that um, who is a humble guy, and, he, and you know all this stuff, I understand, but, but those are the things that I see in him, and it's been years of knowing him, and so that really does help uh, with what we're doing today. So today we're going to look through, I uh, haven't changed anything, you're going to be going through Luke like you have been, so the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19 is what we're going to end up at. So if you have a Bible and you want to start lurk, looking for that, you want to flip the pages through and, uh, or flip the, I don't know, you don't really hear anything when you flip through a, a, a phone or something for your Bible app or that sort of thing, but you can pull that out, that's fine with me, I'm not, I know you're not texting your friend, um, but if you can, uh, maybe you are, uh, but if you can just open up your Bible and, uh, and just follow along with me, that would be great. But uh, the thing I wanted to talk to us about today is that all of us are busy, but opportunities to share Jesus with others are all around us. And the solution, it could be that we need to just get more generous with the time that God has given us. I mean, the uh, title that we're talking about today is, it, it talks about hospitality and hospitality And as I dug straight into this passage, the more and more I got into it, yes, hospitality is there, depending on which side you see it from, whether it's Jesus or this other character. But the more and more, it is a secondary uh, part to what is happening in the passage. So I'm going to describe that as we go along. So if you want to follow along with me, Luke chapter 19, we're going to read this first story, and then we're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back to uh, a second part of the story that we're going to go through together. So, I'm reading from the NIV, so if you're looking in a different version, that's why it may look different to you. It says this, uh, chapter 19, verses 1 to 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, has he gone to the guest of sinners? Of a sinner? But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham, For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. What excites me about this passage is that Jesus was on his way through Jericho. I don't know if you caught that. He was on his way through Jericho. He didn't planned to stay in Jericho. That wasn't his intent. He was moving through. Jericho, I will add, is the city that Joshua, in Joshua chapter 6, the Israelites marched around, blew trumpets, and yelled so that the walls fell down. Yep, that's the same city. So Jesus had an agenda. He was on his way somewhere. But so where? Where was Jesus going? Jesus went to go and die. That's where he was going. He was going to die, passing through Jer- Jericho to get to Jerusalem. Let that sink in. He adjusted his agenda to go, his agenda to go and die for all of humanity, for you and for me, and on his way to die, he stopped to, dis- to care for Zacchaeus. How many of us are reluctant to change something in our schedules when it comes, something comes along? I know that's the case for me. And later on in the chapter, uh, Jesus, and you'll get to this soon because you're going through Luke, that Jesus has, is, has the triumphal entry into Jerusalem where all of that event, all the events were about to take place. He would to die on the cross and rise again. All of that was about to happen. And this is critical to look at in this passage because it has major relevant application to us today. So the problem is we're busy. We're always busy. We're always on our way to do something. Isn't that true? In fact, I don't know about you, but I think almost every time I'm about to have a significant conversation with someone or something spiritual is going to happen, I'm always caught with this feeling of, oh, man, I don't have time for this. I don't know if you feel the same, but I, I feel like I, 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 oh, I wish that I, if I only had more time, or, or if I, I could just got to get this done first. And I feel like oh, I know I need to say something. I know I need to do something, but I, I just don't want to take the time to do it. See, the problem is that we too, we too often go a day, our whole day, not thinking about the lost. We don't think about those who could be Zacchaeus. Jesus, he stopped his agenda to reach the lost. A pretty significant agenda, might I add. Not all of us have success stories around times that we have put, uh, uh, put a pause on our agenda, me being one of them, but I do have one, so I will share you, with you this story. In Langley we have this, uh, in downtown Langley we have this vacuum place and I was wanting to vacuum my car. And it's a van, it's a Toyota Sienna, and it's a bigger vehicle. It's not a small vehicle. And I went up to this vacuum place and there's a whole bunch of kiosks. I didn't get a lot of good response from Lady in the Ladysmith people in the first service, but I don't know, is there something like that in Ladysmith? Yeah, you got something like that? So you imagine all these kiosks of all these things where you drive up and you, get your, you can self-serve your, your car and vacuum your car. And, of course, when you go to do that, you have uh, a two-minute mi- two sort of thing. You put $2 in or something like that, and then it lasts two minutes, and then it's off. Then you've got to pay another $2 into this. So that's important to the story. So as I put in my first $2, and I'm hoping that I can make that $2 go as far as possible, I caught out of the core of my eye a man with a cart. And he had a lot of load of stuff in that cart. And I, I thought, hey, okay, this man might be homeless. But I ignored it. And I was like, okay, I, but I got, I got to get done my, my vacuuming. I can't let this run out before I got to put another $2 because I could save two bucks somehow, maybe. So I ignored it, and I noticed him, and I went back, and I, I cleaned the one side of my car, came around the back side of my vehicle, and I, and I looked up again, and here is this man. He's going over towards the dumpster. And as he's to the dumpster, he had propped up a wooden pallet and he had climbed up it, and he was leaning over and digging inside there trying to find something useful. Of course, I'm still struggling and wrestling with this idea of, okay, I've got my vacuuming, I can uh, see them, and I'm having this war in my head thinking, okay, God, I know I need to do something. I know that it's inside of me. I have to do something. And so I, 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 I left it at that. I went back to my vacuuming, and I couldn't vacuum any longer. I couldn't keep going with that. I was so restless that I knew I needed to do something. I didn't know what I needed to do. I had no clue. So I decided I would walk over to the man and just talk with him to see what would happen. So I walked over to the man, and by that point, it was comical in a way because he was inside the dumpster now with his feet sticking up. And I thought, okay, like, I don't know how I'm going to get his attention and if he's going to get scared or whatever. So I walk up and I, and I walk up to the dumpster and I go gong, 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 gong. And I say, hello. And then as fast as anybody could turn their body around and flip upside down, he was straight as a board, scared out of his mind, wondering what, who it was, maybe thinking I was the police saying you can't be in there or whatever. And he's standing there and he's like, hi, and then he's a, just a little guy. And I said, uh, hey, uh, I, I just feel like I need to talk to you. What's your name? My name is Wes. And he said, oh, my name's Darcy. I said, oh, nice to meet you, Darcy. And in that moment, I'm still struggling with what to do. But I figure he's got to be looking for something. Maybe he's hungry. It's 1030 in the morning. So I don't know, whatever. I look around, and I see a, a fried chicken place across the street. And it's 1030. I don't know if people <laughs> want that. About it. There's a Lee's chicken over here. Darcy, can I buy you something? And he said, uh, "Yeah, you know, I, I would like that. I would like that." So we, he, I helped him out of the dumpster. We we walked across. And as we were walking across, I, I I talked to him about what I who I was. I was a pastor. I felt like sometimes I don't like surprising people later. Um, so I said, "I'm a pastor, and this is I go to this church." And right away, he said, "I'm a Christian too. I believe in Jesus. I believe it. I've been to church before." Um, I've, I sometimes go to this church down the road. So I'm like, okay, so this is good. This is something that I wasn't expecting. I, I didn't know what to, how, where to go with this, but I could check Mark. Okay, I don't need to tell him about Jesus. He knows about Jesus. So as we walk over, we go to the least Chicken, and we sit down, and we— um, I, I say, or we, before we sit down, I said. Have anything you want on the, on the menu, okay? If you want a meal or whatever. And so he looks at me and he looks up at the thing and looks at me and he's like, okay, I, that six-piece meal that he wants for just for himself. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. Just take it. That's fine. So he gets the meal. We sit down. And, and in those moments where I'm sitting down and talking with him, I realized what Jesus was doing in my heart, that I needed to stop my agenda, that I needed to stop what I was doing, and I needed to just be with him. And that was something I didn't expect. I felt like God wanted me to do something like share Jesus with him or something a little more scary. And I realized in that moment that I didn't have to. What God wanted most for him and for me was that I spent time with him. And I just was there and a friend to him for that day. I told him about our church. We were quite far away from where we were. So I said, uh, looking at his cart and thinking how the busters don't even really go right past it. So I'm like... Yeah, you're welcome anytime. but there's another church down the road you can continue to go to. But in that story, I, I learned a lot, and it was really important, I think, for me to learn, but I think that it also benefited this man. Now, I tell you this story not to boast about myself and what I did right, because I've passed a lot of people. I don't know how many there are in Laysmith. I know there are lots in Langley. They sit in the Meridians, and they, 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 they ask you for money, and they're begging for money, and, they, and I feel, often I feel compelled to give but I turn my eyes away, and that's hard. I ignore the need. Maybe you felt the same at a loss of what to do to enable the person to get drugs or alcohol because you think that that comes through your head. Think, well, what are they going to spend the money on? Or if it's actually spent on food because that's what their sign says that they're holding, that they want food, and that's what they need. So back to the Zacchaeus in the story, Zacchaeus, like so many at the time of Jesus, were eager to see, to touch, and experience Jesus. Because Jesus was known in this part of the world. He is so eager that he climbs a tree because he's so short. I don't know if he caught that. Now, this is extreme measure. I don't know, like, I'm not going to evaluate who's tall and who's short in the room. But I will say that short people don't like being pointed out that they're short. But see, Zacchaeus didn't care. He didn't care about how short he was and whether or not people would see him in the tree. Obviously, he would climb the tree because he's short. And there's crowds of people. He climbs the tree to be able to to see Jesus because he's looking to see who is this guy that everyone talks about. Jesus doesn't ask him when he sees him to come over. He doesn't ask, hey, Zacchaeus, can I come over? He doesn't do that. He says, I must go to your house. Zacchaeus agrees gladly and Jesus goes to his house. But picture this. For Jesus to say to Zacchaeus, he is coming over, is like for you to say someone to someone that you would never talk to, maybe a homeless person, maybe someone who is, is struggling or different than you, to say, I'm going to go to your house today. Like what a great intro, in, introduction to someone. It's like, hey you, yeah, I'm going to your house today. <laughs> Let's say that person's a drug addict. And it's a drug addict's house that you'd be going to and you invited yourself into their house. Who would see you going there? Who would see you going in there? Would it be friends or family? Would they see you going in? Would that be in your mind? Would the police think you're part of a deal? (laughs) Oh, okay, maybe they're connected. Would you worry about that? Would you worry about being safe? What would be going through what would what would be the things that going through your mind as you do that? Regardless of what people may have thought of him, Jesus saw this, this visit as a part of his divine mission. This story <clears throat> is relevant to us today because we often don't stop our agenda to do something else. That's something that is important, don't we? How important to you is your agenda? That's, that begs that question. And would you be willing to change it for Jesus? I think there are opportunities that we have that are that easy and we just don't see it. We have these spiritual blinders on and there's a lot of unseen that we are just focused on the next thing and we, we don't allow to, to be able to look for those things that are outside of our agenda and what we would seem and say would be important. Maybe we don't see them because we're busy. Maybe it's possibly because we're, we feel inadequate. Possibly because we overthink ourselves and secretly hope that someone else will do it. To go to Zacchaeus' house is frowned upon by the people, and it doesn't say at what point that he goes to the house, or if he. At what point do the people were the people there at the house? It doesn't really. It's not really clear. But Zacchaeus was aware. He was aware, of the conversations about him. I wonder what, what, how Zacchaeus felt. He knew that his position was not looked upon with respect. He knew. He was a chief tax collector, likely supervising lots of tax collectors in the area, known, notoriously known for taking more money than he needs to. And also, he was a dirty person. That's how he was viewed upon in this culture. See, Zacchaeus was hired by Rome, who was ruling over the Israelites, to oppress his own people. He was not liked, not liked at all. But Zacchaeus' response is really interesting: Pay back four times the amount, which, for Israelite, for the Old Testament, that is way more than it's required. That is way more. He was giving the money plus interest. And he does say, and he doesn't say, I will give at some other point. I will give, I will. I'll promise, I promise Jesus I'll do this for in the future. No, he doesn't say that. He says, here, now I give. It's interesting to note, and you went through this, if, uh, I'm assuming you did, um, with the Luke series, the, the uh, rich young ruler. With the rich young ruler, this was a very wealthy man that couldn't give it up. And here we have Zacchaeus, who is, gladly giving more than is asked of him. Because Jesus went into his house, Zacchaeus' heart was shown. He realized the grace given to him and showed gratitude and acted upon it. Jesus responds by sharing and showing Zacchaeus' heart that today salvation has come to his house. Not only that, but, but he claimed he was a son of Abraham which for the religious leaders, they would be very irritated with the fact that he was anywhere connected with Abraham. But this was a connection not by ancestry, but by faith, saved through faith. So maybe you felt like Zacchaeus before, rejected by someone or some people. Maybe it even feels like the whole town has rejected you. I know what it's like to be in a small town. But Jesus won't reject you when you come to him. He wants you to live a life to the full, a life led by him, an, ex- an experience of grace beyond anything this world can give. And Jesus declares that he, the Son of Man, came to seek and save the lost, that those who need grace, this is what his purpose is, his purpose to save the lost. But wait, wasn't his agenda to go through Jericho to somewhere else. You see, his purpose adjusted his agenda. Jesus saw here an opportunity that he wasn't too busy to care for this man, so he just adjusted his agenda. Remember what that agenda is. His agenda to go and die on the cross was halted so that he could care for Zacchaeus. His purpose was to bring salvation to the people just like Zacchaeus. Now, I told you at the beginning we're going to have two parts of Scripture, so we're going to continue on because what happens in this, this passage is that Jesus goes on to share a story, a parable, that connects to this passage. Uh, it's called the Parable of the Minas. He says this in Luke chapter 19, verses 11 to 27. I'll read it for you, but you can follow along or just listen in. So verse 11 says, while they were listening to this, he went on to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. He said, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So he called 10 of his servants, gave them 10 minas. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. But his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we don't want this man to be our king. Yeah, Luke, awesome. <laughs> Luke, tw- Luke 19, it's actually. Um, he, he was made king. So verse 15. He was made king, however, and returned home. Then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they gained, had gained with it. The first one came and said, Sir, your, your mina has earned ten more. Well done, my good servant, his master replied. Because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of ten cities. The second came and said, Sir, your mina has earned five more. His master answered, You take charge of five cities. Then another servant came and said, Sir, here is your mina. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you were a hard man. You take out what you did not put in and reap what you did not sow. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I am a hard man, taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow. Why then didn't you put my money on deposit so that when I came back, I could have collected it with interest? Then he said to those standing by, Take his mina away from him and give it to the one who has ten minas. Sir, they said, he already has ten. He replied, I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even that will be taken away. But those enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them, bring them here and kill them in front of me. And that's the end of our bedtime story. <laughs> no, not really. Um, so Jesus here uh, goes on sharing. I said that, by the way, because we're going to get back to it. Don't worry. I'm not going to leave you hanging. Why would he do that? So Jesus goes on to sharing a parable, and the reason Luke gives is that they were near Jerusalem. So Jericho, in relation to Jerusalem, is very close. Obviously, he's on his way to Jerusalem, as you heard earlier, and wanted to keep up, clear up some thoughts that were, uh, the people were, were asking in the area about the kingdom of God. So what's going to happen with this? So digging into this passage, the minas, a mina is a Greek coin worth about 100 days of work. So to understand this, this, this analogy that Jesus is trying to do in, in context to what we just read with Zacchaeus, I believe that the mina here is, can be referenced as a disciple making effectiveness. A disciple making effectiveness. At the end of our life, one must give account with what we are handed. We could end up being one that didn't multiply their faith, a poor steward of our faith these people have a motive of, uh, of fear which stops them from acting in faith. The reality is that if we understand the, the task that's been given to us as Jesus followers, we are truly convinced we should do something about it. And what happens? The story says that what's been given will be taken away to someone who will do something with it. You see, the point is that what motivates us is what we are. Are we going to be someone who does much with what is given to us or little? Are we going to take up every opportunity that comes our way or just some of them? In the Christian life, we do not stand still. At least we're not supposed to stand still. We must multiply or lose our, effective, our opportunities. Now, this passage isn't talking about losing salvation, but it does say that we can lose our effectiveness. But what do we do with Jesus saying in this parable in verses 26 and 27? That was a very grim ending to that parable. T.W. Manson describes it as this. We may be horrified by the fierceness of the conclusion, but beneath the grim imagery is an equal grim fact. The fact that the coming of Jesus to the world puts every man to the test, compels every man to a decision, and that that decision is no light matter. It is a matter of life and death. Now, it may be hard to understand and, and make this um, contextual to your lives right now, so I'm going to continue to flesh this out for you in Ladysmith terms. I am from Duncan, remember, so I can do this. I have a, a right to be able to do this. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to retell this story in a way that maybe has a little more, more uh, relevance. So... Your boss deploys 10 employees all over the island to charter fishing boats. Okay, makes sense? All right. Some, like Victoria and Nanaimo, were needing 8, 9, or 10 boats for their fleet. Others, like Ladysmith, got 3 or 5. At the end of one season, our fishing season, your boss comes back and says, So, how did we do? How many boats did we, how, did we charter, and how many times were they chartered out? Some in Victoria, Nanaimo, Campbell River, even Hardy gave good returns. But for Bowser, they feared that the boat would get barnacles. It isn't a great city to be chartering a boat from the employees. uh, Pulled the boat out of the water, put it in a shed and claimed, we didn't make anything, but at least we didn't lose money. The boss would reply, are you really that dumb? You could have at least had it ready to go in case another charter company was swamped and we could have had a referral. That make sense? You got that? So what do we do with this parable and, and how that connects to verses 1 to 10? Salvation is the key. Those of you who are Jesus followers here, you have been given that mina. Since you have accepted Christ, since you have given that, you've been given that little coin or that af- disciple-making effectiveness, how have you multiplied it? Have you been a part of producing ten more, five more, two more, one more disciple? How many? Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And that is true not only in Ladysmith, but also in Vancouver and Langley and other places like that. All of us are busy. But opportunities to share Jesus with others are all around us. The solution is that we must be more generous with the time that God has given us. We must be hospitable. We have to. We can't miss this. Matthew 28 19 to 20 is the great commission of Jesus, and one of the last things he said before he rose um, or he ascended into heaven. He says, We are to go and make disciples of all nations. We are to make disciples, not go and make ourselves a disciple, although that is important. He says to make disciples. So those of Those who don't follow Jesus will spend eternity away from them, from Him, and we should be thinking about that. So let me ask you in this last year, what name comes to mind of someone you intentionally are making into being a disciple? Think about it in your head. Is there somebody in your mind? It could be a non Jesus follower, someone who doesn't follow Jesus. It could be a young follower of Jesus, it could be a stuck follower of Jesus. I think we all get there at some points. I know I have. Who is that person? Who is that person that is put in your mind right now? If you're thinking of a person, good. Keep on multiplying. Keep going. But if you can't think of someone, I wonder how that is affecting your walk with Christ right now. We need to consider the lost and be generous with our time. We need to be hospitable, not just in our homes, The story wasn't really about Zacchaeus. It was more about Jesus. He was the one who invited himself over. So not our homes, but with our time. And it could be our homes. God could call that. But it's a matter of life and death. Maybe you need to mentor somebody. Maybe you need to stop doing something to spend more time with someone. How important is your agenda? Maybe you need to surrender it to Jesus today to give it to him and say, here's my agenda, Jesus. It's all for you. The purpose of Jesus is to seek and save the lost. He did it every day in his work. It was a relational discipleship. But what is your purpose? What is your purpose as a Jesus follower? And does your current purpose dictate your agenda? So maybe you're sitting here and thinking, great Wes. this is awesome stuff but i don't know how to make a disciple i got you covered no problem i'll give you three things to think about they're not all encompassing but three things the first three things that came to my mind when i was re- um, going through this passage number one is to become a disciple to become a disciple the apostle paul talks about in 1 corinthians 11 that follow me as i follow christ i don't know if you've come across that that verse before that's a really hard verse to read. Because that means that you're saying, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ, which means I need to be on my best behavior. And sometimes I've looked in the mirror and thought, how am I going to lead anybody? I know how awful I can be, how sinful I've been, how many mistakes I've made. But becoming a disciple, reading your Bible, especially the Gospels, Gospels just like Luke, how Jesus lived, praying. The more time you spend with God, the more the better it is. Talking to Him. If you aren't a good disciple, though, you can't lead anyone. It's like blind leading the blind. You say, "I I know where to go," but or I don't know where to go, so I'll just lead you to, what? To nothing. You don't know where to go if you're not a disciple of Jesus. You need to be an active disciple of Jesus. The second thing is to surrender in prayer to the Holy Spirit. This is key. I think we, need, we, we forget to allow the Holy Spirit to guide us, to wait on Him, to trust Him, that He is already at work, despite whether or not our finite minds see it. He's already working, and we need to surrender to the Holy Spirit so that He can lead us. And the third thing is very similar to the last one is pray for opportunities. Again, prayer. But it begs the question, who is in your life already? I'm not asking, and Darren's not asking you to go just hunt down all these strangers. I think you should start with who's in your life now. Who do you think they, who who why do you think they're in your life? Who is that, and why, why are they in their, your life? Is it a coincidence that they're in your life? Is that how you treat it? Or do you think God has created that relationship for a reason because i believe in god instances not just coincidences so today we're going to spend some time a moment in silent prayer i want us to pray for these things not just talk about praying for these things first to pray for those whom you are intentionally making into disciples because i know a lot of you are Pray for their walk with Christ, their needs. What's their next step with Christ? For those who don't have someone, pray for a potential person. Pray for God to reveal someone in your life right now that you can invest in. If you don't have anyone in your life, that should be an indication of a problem that you, you'll need to spend some time seeking out someone outside your sphere of strong Jesus followers that we tend to cluster to and to look to someone that you could invest in. consider praying in expectation for that next person who comes your way that you need to be making into a disciple of Jesus. So at this time, I want to have us all bow our heads and close our eyes and to just spend some time reflecting, just a moment reflecting on these things, asking God to reveal what is the next step that you need to take? What is that next conversation that you need to do? Who is that next person you have to start praying for? So let's spend some time in Silent prayer. And as your heads are bowed and you finish your prayers, consider this. Have you opened your eyes to where God is moving? Join him in his work. It's easy. Why? Because God is already working in people's hearts. We have to go forward thinking this, otherwise we end up putting ourselves in the effort and we give ourselves the glory when God deserves it. Often we think we know what's best and then ask God to bless our efforts, but that's not what God wants. He wants us to notice those around us that he is working in, then join him in his work. Let's continue to pray. God, I pray for this congregation and I pray for myself first because I need this message. I need Matt and I need Kyle to be forefront in my mind, the people that I'm trying to invest in who don't know you. God, keep them before me and help me to see what you see in them. And for this congregation, I pray that they would take another step in making these Jesus followers, that this wouldn't be uh, something that they would uh, hear on a sunday and um, and think is nice, but they would keep each other accountable in their community of 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 ocean view to challenge one another and to to spur one another on to love and good deeds as they reach out to those who are around them. I pray for courage, I pray pray for boldness, and God, I pray for favor upon on this church that you would bestow your favor on them and that they would win new people to you they would win people that have been disenfranchised for too long back to the church and back to you jesus and i pray that you would show that next step for them i trust and know that you will when they ask it and so i am excited to hear about the stories that will come out of this church where they truly take their faith and they reach to the ends of ladysmith and beyond for your great name so God, thank you for today and for what you've given to us. For this opportunity for me to speak as a servant of you, and uh, as a brother and a brother in Christ to these people, I pray um, that you go before them and show them your work, that they may join up uh, with you in the in Jesus' name. Amen.